Hey everyone, I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And it's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. It's Del Toro time. And we are 0 for 3 now. Nope, we're 3 for 3. We are 3 for 3 now. <laughs> we are we are 3 for 3 on solid episodes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and 0 for 3 on terrible episodes. Yep. Uh, would you say that these episodes have gotten better as we've gone along? Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, the last one was, was really scary, but this one was really good. <laughs> this one was solid. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I, okay, I, I will say that the... That they've been solid. The lot 36, I think, was... Oh, by the way, this is Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. The Autopsy, Episode 3. As you said, based on the autopsy by Michael Shea, which we'll discuss in a second. I'd say Lot 36, so far, was the weakest of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the graveyard rats in this one kind of they're kind of doing different things yeah graveyard rats really felt like to me like an old ec comic uh which you know was pretty much based on a story that was an old ec comic <laughs> and this one felt like this one this one felt like a solid piece of storytelling yeah which you know was based, based on a on solid, solid piece, piece of, of storytelling. <laughs> now, <laughs> listeners might remember that we covered uh, Michael Shea's *The Autopsy* back when we were doing *The Dark Descent*. Mm-hmm. Um, I I refreshed myself on it, and then as the episode went on, you kind of remembered it. Yeah, what, what happened? It's it's a it's a. Com- complex short story mm-hmm. uh mostly because the back half of it is almost all the antagonist laying out his his history his biology a lot of incredibly technical uh, uh medical descriptions and mm-hmm. biological descriptions and the antagonist in the short story talks in a very very heightened uh vocabulary yeah. like a it's 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 very difficult to parse at times because he uses mm-hmm. really big words mostly because he's very full of himself yeah and enjoys using big big words and languages mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so uh so this one was written by david s goyer uh, uh-huh. who, who we've who we've we've whose work we have experienced in the past uh david s goyer was the screenwriter for um uh uh blade two Yep. And the screenwriter for uh I mean nothing else that we've specifically covered on the on the show but he was the screenwriter for Batman Begins and the screenwriter for Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Okay. <laughs> Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Okay. And uh, Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> He also directed uh, 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 Blade Trinity, the worst Blade movie. And he directed this movie called The Unborn, which is about a dibbuk and a rabbi, but features no Jewish actors. Cool. And whose poster is famous for basically telling you nothing except that the movie might, might be about um, a butt. <laughs> I'll show you what I mean. The poster for The Unborn is like, I guess oh, it's I've about, seen this movie. I guess it's about a woman's butt, is what the poster poster tells you, because that butt is front and center. Is this the movie that was weird and like kind of anti-abortion? I don't know. I never saw The Unborn, because I didn't want to see a movie about. It. If I want to see a movie about a butt, I'll tape my own butt or video my not tape my own butt. I won't tape it. I won't tape it closed. I'm not going to tape Larry Lester's butt cheeks together for fans of 80s teen dramas. In any case, that's David S. Goyer who wrote this uh, and directed by David Pryor. Remember the two Davids who directed The Empty Man, mm-hmm. uh, which I saw and I thought was okay. And I remember not- now. 
not very scary. You saw the movie. So you saw, I saw the, movie. the butt I saw movie. The, I saw the Unborn. It's not about butts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I didn't think it was. I didn't actually think it was about butts. It's, it's just not the... about weird anti-abortion stuff, though, either. That's a different horror movie that I watched. <laughs> That's a different horror movie about butts. <laughs> no. Uh, 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 yeah. So David Pryor directed The Empty Man. But he's mostly known for uh, doing a lot of documentaries about david fincher so and and he also sort of headed up the tv series voir which is david fincher's documentary series about movies so it was interesting to see david Pryor just sort of throw himself fully into a well-written project as opposed Mm -hmm. to the empty man which i thought was poorly put together and uh and into something that has a as a as its basis a really strong and very weird short story. It was fun. Yeah. So this was, and I, I will admit, I was very nervous going into this one because as I've gotten older, I haven't been too, too, I haven't handled Squick too well. And I knew that this one was going to have a lot of autopsy in it mm-hmm. because it's called the autopsy. And also, <laughs> who'd have thought? The, the short story is very much just so much descriptions of autopsies, and it does have a lot of that in it, mm-hmm. but it didn't bother me. Even though it's very graphic, I was still just like, okay, like, it's all serving, it's serving the story, and it's very matter of fact. I don't know. I just, I wasn't grossed out by it. It felt to me like the autopsies we've seen in Guillermo del Toro's other movies. Yes. Y- yeah. Yeah. Which are, he does which... autopsies very well, which he didn't do this, but I imagine right. he, your camera is freaking out so much. It's freaking me out so every time. So my camera has a glitch that is causing me to look like uh, The Grudge or maybe uh, The Pulse or maybe uh, The Ring. So <laughs> listeners, if Willow suddenly freaks out about the way I look, it's because I am J-horroring all over our all over our Zoom call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, it's 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 beautifully photographed, like mm-hmm. uh, shot this this episode. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was kind of just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, not that any of the other ones have haven't looked great, but yeah. this one just the cinematography in this one was really really good. yeah just top notch. Uh, uh, and we, we of course so we have to of course call out the the actors in this. Yeah, there's only a few who like really have big parts, but right off the bat we have to call out the man himself, Effin Murray Abraham. It's not his name. <laughs> Effin Murray Abraham, who are you know who, I mean he's one of the most famous actors living. He's in his 80s. He's like 83 or something. But he looks good for 83. I mean most people know him as Salieri from the movie Amadeus because that was like his big breakthrough role but the guy's just been in everything um i mean from he was a mimic yep from mighty aphrodite to muppets from space (laughs) to mimic yep to 13 ghosts uh to uh to uh uh, one episode of law and order criminal intent (laughs) nice (laughs) (laughs) to i mean to being a a recurring character on the good wife uh to uh to being in how to train your dragon the hidden world um all the way up through mythic quest uh as the voice of Kanshu recently in moon knight and uh and uh playing tony in the uh, live action remake of lady in the trap (laughs) (laughs) there's a live action remake of lady in the tramp (laughs) there's a live action remake of lady in the tramp that hit disney plus when it first when it first started and uh, that nobody cared about nobody commented on how they ruined lady in the tramp (laughs) 
We're just ignoring it yep. so that it's not ruined. Because come to find out, nobody cares about Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, really. <laughs> so yes, I used F- to want to be the, the lead female dog in that movie because I thought she had pretty hair. She does have pretty hair. She's known as Lady, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, so the this so he plays our our uh our doctor dr carl winters mm-hmm. who i mean it's pretty much just the short story like yeah every pot point every beat it's just told in a different order because the short story is takes place entirely within the autopsy mm-hmm. warehouse yeah uh, and the the episode shows us the things they talk about and also has the best sheriff right so we also have sheriff nate craven mm-hmm. who i was like when i first read the story i was like is this like a like i'm throwing in a name of a horror film director to <laughs> but no because the the short story came out before wes craven was like a famous film director and he actually in the short story sheriff craven is referenced as like a man who has like his whose fists have like more than like uh had to defend the de- dictionary definition of his last name like <laughs> he's like i'm not craven but uh yeah played by luke roberts who was phenomenal no, wait not luke roberts oh. Uh, wrong guy. Sorry, Glenn Turman. Luke Roberts is the other actor in this. Okay. Glenn, Glenn Turman. Who is phenomenal. Who is phenomenal. This is a guy whose acting credits go back to the 70s, early 70s. Uh, he was in uh, Cooley High. Uh, he was in The Serpent's Egg. He plays, and this is the big one, so hold on to your butts, ladies and gentlemen. He plays Mr. Hansen, the science teacher, in the movie Gremlins. So that's right. He plays the first fatality in Gremlins, the science teacher who gets a hypodermic needle stuck in his butt after being killed, Glenn Turman. I thought he was familiar. (laughs) He's the one who says... Uh, it's not so bad as he's taking the gremlin's blood and uh and uh he holds out the he holds out the candy bar he puts it underneath the desk and he's like yeah yeah that's pretty good and then he gets his arm eaten off or whatever whatever the gremlin does to him we don't really know it kills him somehow but yeah gremlins 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 he's been in a million things though uh his house Stella got her groove back john dies in the end um bumblebee he was in the bumblebee movie that came out not too many years ago a better movie than we thought he was in ma rainey's black bottom recently um he's been in a ton of things like you just look at his credits it's just like it never ends from the twilight zone to murder she wrote recurring role on a different world uh the bernie mac show like we just love this guy he's great he did a great job this movie this movie this episode was truly about two old men being friends yeah two old men who are who are best buds uh and i would say that the the success or failure of this episode hinges on us believing their friendship Mm-hmm. And it, I think it was very convincing. Yeah. Yeah. If two powerhouse actors uh, just being buds. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have F. Murray Abraham, who is a legend in his own lifetime, having to monologue his way through a lot of this episode. Yeah. And just be a congenial guy. So, I mean, if you've listened to the autopsy episode we did, it's the same story. Uh, mine explosion. F. Murray Abraham has to autopsy 10 bodies for the insurance company to see if they should pay out to the families if it was an accident or if there was actually a bomb the sheriff is like yeah there was this guy who we were searching for for because we found a body that he had apparently been eating in the woods Mm -hmm. uh he we found this sphere in his house he stole it out of the cop car ran into the mine the explosion happened we think it was a bomb that he had but we're not sure what the sphere was uh f marie abraham starts autopsying the bodies 
Two of them he don't have... He also has stomach cancer. Yes, who is also dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of the bodies don't have any blood, uh, but they have weird points of entry from something on their bodies. Uh, the guy who was the suspect ends up resurrect, coming back to life. We find out that he's inhabited by an alien. The sphere was its spaceship. He was blowing it up to get rid of it so that no one would discover him. Mm-hmm. And he was he drained the bodies of blood in between the explosion and the bodies getting... like It took like three days to get the bodies out of the mine. Yeah. And now he paralyzes F. Murray Abraham and he's like I'm going to transfer the alien now from this body into your body what you going to do about it buddy now I'm going to monologue for a while about my biological makeup and how kick-ass we the aliens are because we don't need no stinking bodies we are doing just we are the superior intelligence because we can take over everyone's brains what do you think about that butthead I think I mean I wasn't calling you a butthead no I know my child my daughter I was doing the response (laughs) oh oh. well then please do an F. Murray Abraham impression that's a bad idea Uh (laughs) do it I'm F. Murray Abraham do it no (laughs) (laughs) come on I want to hear your old man voice I can't do an old man voice. Then do it. Do your impression of me. I already sound so much like you. I don't That's know if true. it really needs to be an impression. Audience, done. can you even tell the difference between the two of us? <laughs> Is it just a microphone quality that's giving us away at this point? Uh, But basically, Mr. Doctor, Dr. Winters is like, "Uh uh-huh, sure, whatever you say, man. Yeah. And then stabs himself repeatedly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Cuts his own throat, stabs out his ears, stabs out his eyes. So This was a lot harder to watch than it was to read. (laughs) Yes. It's easier to read because in the book, he's paralyzed, but also has had his pain receptors numbed. Mm -hmm. Not so in the TV episode. No. He's, Which he makes is. more sense. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, in the book, it helps that he has no pain because he can actually like do it. Mm-hmm. In this, it's more just sort of like, ah, <laughs> stabbing out my eyes. <laughs> Which, you know, do what you got to do, buddy. Do what you got to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because the idea is that it's going to transfer itself to his body, but it will have no way to see, no way to hear, and it's going to bleed out in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. And then the cop's going to return, his old buddy. Now, in the... In the short story, he managed to write on his torso in blood, like, a very long statement. Yes. It was, like, several lines long. In this one, he writes... I think called that out in the episode. Yes. Uh, and in this one, he writes, uh, like... Tape, burn like, me. Hear tape, burn body, burn me. Yeah. Uh, because he's uh, doing an autopsy, so he's had the cassette tape... The cassette tape. The reel-to-reel tape running <laughs> the whole time. And has recorded everything the alien has said. Which he which he says to the alien. Uh, and he's like, I've been recording this entire time. Also, yeah. remember, you royally effed up this dude. Uh, and so, what did he say? Like, he was like, you you kept, like, this guy alive for, like, the entire time. Uh, which, like, allowed something to happen. Uh, which guy? The, the alien. Oh, the guy whose body he yeah. was in. John, yeah. he's like, he's like, yeah, you man, he, he's the alien takes over your brain, but you're still present. Mm-hmm. So at the moment the alien left the guy's brain completely, there was like a two seconds where the guy was suddenly conscious in his corpse, yeah. and he managed to turn his hand so that F. Murray Abraham could take the scalpel out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see like a tear running down the guy's face, which like is his... understandable because he's been disemboweled. Yep, he's been disemboweled and has had to watch this alien uh, puppeteer his body for the last however. And- for many like, days horribly murder his friends horribly murder his friends and co-workers uh suck the blood out of their body uh and also intentionally keep them conscious while he's doing it 
so that yeah. they can experience the pain. Because it's something about this alien that's not only this alien is a braggart and a jerk. Uh, the aliens, He's also a sadist. <laughs> the aliens are also sadists. Part of the joy yeah. of inhabiting other bodies is the torture of the inhabitants of those, the original inhabitants of those bodies. So this episode is very graphic. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of corpses. We see a lot of corpses being We're, cut open. I believe we are three for three with episodes with male genitals being displayed. Were there genitals in the first episode? Were there not? No, no. No, okay. No, I, I would remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's been enough to go around yeah. for three episodes. Yes, because, well, and also with three for three with corpses in a morgue, because last episode had corpses in a morgue. This episode had corpses in a morgue. Three uh, for three for moving corpses as well. Three for three for moving. Yeah, so this is a, this, I mean, hilariously enough, Gamut Old Toro show, a lot of bloated corpses, a lot of oh, cut open flesh. Uh, a lot of squick. Um, but I was saying while we were watching this, this is kind of a, even though Guillermo del Toro, just the producer, did not create this episode, uh, kind of a perfect Guillermo del Toro story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not surprising that this was one of the stories chosen to be put, put into this this show. <laughs> yes, because I mean, what, 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 what's Guillermo del Toro-y about it? Everything. Specifically. The autopsy, for one. We got that in, in I believe, Mimic. Uh, yep. Blade 2, mm-hmm. The Strain. Right. Uh, and something else, right? I mean, cut open bodies in general. Yeah. Like just um, the, the, the the sight of a knife cutting through flesh up close is like, I yeah. mean, Pan's Labyrinth. We got it all. Yeah. Uh, there's there's hand stuff. Um, that was one of our Guillermo del Toroisms that That's we had right. at the beginning of the show. <laughs> hand trauma. We see uh, broken fingernails up close in this. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and and the zoom in on the, the, the Alan's hand. Uh, mm-hmm. every time uh there's um weird monsters <laughs> right uh yeah because uh, old men the... protagonists <laughs> old men yes we love our old men and gamma Toro loves old men this movie gets us two nets us two old men <laughs> right in the del toro net <laughs> uh and not only old men but a dying old man mm-hmm. uh uh and and like chronos an old man who sacrifices himself uh, and Pan's Labyrinth, old men who sacrifice themselves for the betterment of humankind. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's there. I would even say like the way the alien describes how it takes over the brain. Yeah. And like it's very technical. It's it's that Guillermo del Toro loves the lore. He loves like it's not just about that there's this creature. I want to know how this creature ticks. I want to know how mm-hmm. this creature's this creature's like thoughts and function like it's it's really about like just getting really getting your hands dirty in yeah. this in this monster uh that that is very del toro-y uh about this i mean i can see del toro reading this short story or someone bringing it to him just being like this is your name written all over it he listened to our podcast episode about it that's what happened he did he was like i think i i love it the podcast stop I love it so much. stop first you were french now you're italian what are you doing <laughs> Uh, but it's true. This is uh, you. You read it, it's it's it is very similar to Mimic. Like mm-hmm. this episode has a lot of that in it. Like we the get sort to of... see our, our dude play another doctor in one of. <laughs> that's true. That's true. F. Murray Abraham from Mimic. Uh, we also got some roaches in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. In John, so uh, the actor. So in addition to F. Murray Abraham, in addition to Glenn Gremlins, Glenn Turman, um, we also have Luke Roberts. Mm-hmm. as the as as john uh, what is his name alan john allen That's joe his allen fake name yeah he has a real name too. his real his real name is sykes mm-hmm. uh as sykes so luke roberts did he also uh, voice the alien the like voice the what do you mean 
because because the alien had its own separate like like voice oh i'm sure that was all him yeah yeah uh yeah so he plays joe allen the alien but this guy i mean he was a regular in the tv he was on band of brothers he was in band of brothers that was like his first big breakout um he was in a tv series called mile high which i guess he was like a lead in uh he was in pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides uh let's see he was in wolf hall he was in at black sales 20 episodes of Black Sails, 39 episodes of Ransom, uh, 219 episodes of a TV show called Holby City, which I've never heard of. <laughs> but the big one is recently he played Thomas Wayne in the movie The Batman. Oh. Uh, so we see Thomas Wayne in several flashbacks in The Batman, and uh, and he's kind of a central figure of that movie. Have you seen The Batman? Mm-mm. It's very good. Is it? I very much enjoyed the Batman. All right, I'll have to um, check it out. Then. It's a good, it's a good mystery movie. Uh, it's got great performances, and it has my favorite of all the Batman movies. It has my favorite thematic twist at the end. Like it does something interesting with Batman that none of the movies have done so far. And I was like, oh, thank God! Like I had a thank God <laughs> moment at the end of it for what they did with Batman. Uh, but interestingly enough, he has a movie coming out called. Dampier. Dampier. I don't know if it's like his movie. He looks like he's like down in the credits list, but uh, about a man who's a Dampier. Half human, half vampire. So I guess kind of like Blade. Yeah, I, I know what a Dampier is. There's their race in Pathfinder. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. So he's very good. His performance as the alien oh, is yeah. great. Uh, I don't know how they did him crawling across the floor, mm-hmm. but it was very scary. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking to see. I don't see any listings for like, you know, like as the body of the creature or anything. Yeah. So I'm not sure how they did it. Uh, but it, yeah, it was. Because it looked really, it didn't look exactly like CGI. No, it's that, it's that Guillermo del Toro thing, like in a, mm-hmm. in a Crimson Peak where all the ghosts were actually just played by people who ha- can do janky body stuff. Yeah. Which yeah. always freaks me out. When I was like younger in like fifth or sixth grade, you showed me all of these uh, Japanese horror shorts uh-huh. um, of like ghosts and like like be- being played by like contortionists, and those scared the pants off of me. That's awesome. I'm yeah. sorry that I did that. <laughs> now, <laughs> the big question we had about this that you answered while we were watching was, "What is onion snow?" <laughs> because the phrase "onion snow." Gets used once, like by the sheriff. He's like, it was right after the first onion snow. (laughs) And we were like, well, you can't just say that. (laughs) What is onion snow? It's a term that is pretty much localized to Pennsylvania about a snow that happens right after the spring onions have been planted and they begin to sprout. Okay. So now we know what onion... It was so weird. But I guess like if you know it, then you're like, oh, this is set in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like, like that's so, it's just nuts. Like I thought yeah. that was so specific. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. Onion snow. I don't know what else to say onion about snow. onion snow, except <laughs> now we know what it means. Yep. So, um, yeah. So there's a lot of squick. Uh, there's a lot of great character squick? work. Why what? do you keep saying squick? <laughs> oh, just, uh, squick is like stuff that's like when stuff is used in a, in a, in a movie or a, or a book or something just to, to kind of gross you out. Okay. Like gross, squicky stuff. It's the opposite of squee. <laughs> oh, okay. Squick. It's just it's just squick. It's just something gross in a in a thing. Um, sorry, sorry to use the the hip slang in front of you. Sorry, sorry to uh to. You got to... squick. I got onion snow. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> 
no squick in the onions snow no squick it's just it's just snow it's just snow from the onions i don't it seems it's such a weirdly specific thing but i guess that's how it works yep <laughs> anyways what were we saying <laughs> uh that this episode was really good it had an orb in it. Right. A blowing up orb. Yeah. Uh, you had forgotten the short story. So you were like, are there aliens in this? Because it's <laughs> yeah. like the, the orb has like blinking lights and stuff all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, the creature design. Yes. Creature design is was very good. Yes. It was very gross. Uh-huh. Uh, a little a little like, like not octopusy, but like it had like whippy tentacles that came mm-hmm. out. Uh, uh, I said it kind of looked like a Dalek. It did. Like a dialect when you take it out of the... Yeah. It, no, it looks like a giant metal tin can. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it was very whippy. Very whippy. Uh, it whipped around. Did a lot of whipping. Um, a lot of incredible sound. It had an extendo eye. It did have an extendo eye. Uh, but the sound design in this... That whisper part, when he heard the whisper, and the, like when his hair stood up on the back of his head and he heard the whisper, that was really good. Yeah, there's a part where uh, F. Murray Abraham, in his, he tells himself in his head, get out, run. Mm-hmm. But it's done by like, he looks in the window and sees his reflection that tells him that. Yeah. And it's creepy and weird, and it's in the short story, and uh, I was just surprised that they included it, because it's a very specific thing that happens to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the short story, I think it's such a shame that Michael Shea didn't get to see this incredible adaptation of his work. Yeah. Uh, he's never, like, this is the first, like, big thing that's ever been adapted from a Michael Shea story, as mm-hmm. far as I know, and... I think it was done about as well as you could have hoped for. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it was, it's a dynamite episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. The source material was good, but the people who worked on it clearly like worked their butts off to make it really good as well. Yeah. I'm just astonished at how well, at how well they adapted this story. There's no change. Like there was no, there was no changes to it. Except for like kind of, you see, you see the sheriff come in at the end, which he doesn't do in the short story. Like, but that's just there. So you can see like how he discovers the, the the blood written on the body like just mm-hmm. so you just don't see it but you don't know what happens like there's no yeah. like it still leaves you hanging um you get to see inside the mine when it blows up you get to see like the stuff that they describe the body in the tree in the bag uh mm-hmm. the butchered corpse but other than that like i mean but that's all taken directly from the story even the dialogue is just lifted from the story like they talk yeah. like they do in the in the in the in the short story it's just it's just right there but it does doesn't feel like burdened by that like it mm-hmm. feels like yeah we we took the short story but it still has a lot of its own style a lot of its own yeah it felt if like just, if they just adapted the short story it would just be a lot of monologuing about the <laughs> right stuff <laughs> it'd be a lot of talking um but i don't know it, it's one of those things where like you, they adapted it perfectly but also it doesn't feel like it was burdened by that yeah it feels like no that 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 served it well they knew like, what they were doing like if this short story didn't exist this would be a great standalone piece regardless yes yeah me it's a good short short film yeah. um like i guess cemetery rats also did that they built mm-hmm. out they built out from the story um and it didn't feel like that was a problem either like i don't know yeah. like they're they're they seem to have a good sense now of what they're needs not, 
to be expanded on. And they're yeah. not trying to write a short story and make a film. They're trying to make a film. Right. And this one uh, uh, is the longest one we've watched so far. It was an hour long. Yeah. So also they're just like, we'll take the time that we need to tell the story. And if it doesn't need an hour, we won't take an hour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I think I appreciate that they know where to put their efforts. Because so often like adaptations feel like they spend so much time reworking the story to make it fit a film rather than working the film to make it fit the story. Right. And this is just, I don't know. They found a nice balance with this. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Tryptophobia warning, though. <laughs> uh, from when? From when they first discover the body in the tree. I don't know if you noticed, but there was like a bun- like a lot of the like segments of flesh were covered in little black spots. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when uh, and when the uh, the alien reveals his yeah. body, his his skin is like yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, and also, if you don't like watching bodies get sliced open, this probably isn't yeah. the episode for you. Um, but uh, yeah, that's. I would say that's the autopsy. Topsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael J. Uh, uh, David David Pryor and uh, and uh, uh, the other David David Escoyer. <laughs> And David G. Hartwell, who put together the collection that we read the autopsy in. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Davids, for bringing this story into our lives. Um, so next time on Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, uh, are you looking at it? Or do you want me I to I closed say it? Netflix. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> next up is The Outside, uh, directed by Anna Lily uh, Am- Amir Poor, whose name I'm going to have oh, to check. Oh, 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 I just, I just watched one of her movies. <laughs> what did you just watch? I just watched uh, uh, a girl who walks home, uh, who walks alone at night. Um, a girl walks the, alone. Yeah. The 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 Iranian um, vampire spaghetti western, as she described it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was super good. Well, that's awesome. And the cinematography was fantastic, so now I'm very excited. <laughs> so, yep, yep. Uh, so we'll be talking about that, uh, uh, her work, and her direction on the outside. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's based on a webcomic by Emily Carroll, who is one of my favorite horror comic writers, uh, who you may know from her collection, um, what is it called, Through the Woods? Oh, I love that. I love her art style. Yep. The comic, His Face All Red, which was like a very, very popular comic about 10 years, 10 or so years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also did uh, illustration work for Gone Home. But we'll talk about, we'll talk about Emily Carroll. We'll talk about uh, all the creative forces when we talk about uh, the outside on our next episode. But uh, that's, that's it for this one. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Find us on Twitter at Del Toro Don't Time. Don't find us on Twitter. Don't even go on Twitter anymore. <laughs> no, we need good people on there to help fight against the bad people. We need, we need all the fighting we can I have get. I would have disactiv- deactivated my Twitter account but I can't remember my password so I can't <laughs> it's really frustrating <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at it's del Toro time uh, and uh, otherwise I am also Phil. Spotify oh. oh that's right that's right yeah if you listen to the show uh, leave a review somewhere mm-hmm. just so that we know if even if like. it's one stars no please don't leave a one star <laughs> review that'd be terrible <laughs> we have so few reviews it is don't leave a one star <laughs> review leave a five star or nothing <laughs> And until then, I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And we'll see you when it's It's Del Toro Toro time. time.